Well, we have been uh, the last, since the beginning of this year, we've been talking about this idea that God speaks to us. That God, if we're willing to listen and willing to pay attention, he'll reveal himself to us. He'll reveal his purposes for our life. He'll reveal his direction for our life, his plans for our life. He'll reveal his will for our lives. Right now, as we think about what is God's will, we're asking in this series, what is God's will for our lives financially? And we discovered last week that if we are willing to seek God's will in God's way, then a couple things happen with that as a result, that we will have an opportunity to experience financial freedom in our lives. And if you and I can actually be financially free, here's the incredible benefit of that. One of the benefits is it's going to free us up. It's going to free us up to go wherever it is God wants us to go. It's going to free us up to do whatever it is God wants us to do. It'll free you up so that you can serve how and where God wants you to serve. And it'll free you up to give to whom and how God wants you to give. But in order for us to get there, to be freed up financially, it means we can't be weighed down by debt. Romans chapter 13 says this, let love be your only debt. God wants us to be free, of course, free from sin. Jesus set us free from sin, but he also wants us to be free financially. He wants us to be debt-free because what happens to you and I when we're in debt? What does the Bible say? This is a verse we read last week. I'm hoping it's one of those verses like it just kind of sticks with you. Maybe even you memorize it. Proverbs 22 verse 7 says this, when, when we are in debt, it says this, that the borrower is a what? A borrower is a, a slave. We're slaves to the lenders. When you owe a person, when you owe an institution or a bank or a credit card company, the Bible says that means we're not free. We're in bondage. We're in slavery. So financial freedom is being debt-free. We also saw last week that means financial freedom is that you and I actually have savings. Uh, many financial experts say anywhere from three to six months of living expenses saved up. Financial freedom is also having margin, which means we have extra, extra at the end of the month, the end of the, the, the year, the end of our career. Because when you and I have extra, going back to being freed up, it means we have choices. We have options that we can be freed up to do and go and be all that God wants us to be. This type of financial freedom is ours if we're willing to follow God's wisdom and God's direction and what he says about our finances. But there's a huge problem. There's a huge obstacle that stands in the way for every single one of us from experiencing this financial freedom. The obstacle is so all-consuming for every single one of us that first of all, we have to actually know what the obstacle is and we have to know what it specifically looks like in our own lives because it looks different for everybody. But once you know what it is and then once you know what it is in you, then and only then do you have the opportunity to, to reduce it or to lower it or even remove it from your life. So to help us understand this obstacle, uh, we need to play a little game together and we're going to need some participation in this. You're going to have to, some of you are going to run, run up to stage to help me out. I'm going to play a little game to illustrate this called Bigger or Better. It's a game my kids play all the time, and uh, my house is littered with items that are bigger and better because of them playing this stuff, a lot of useless stuff. So uh, we're going to try something different. So Bigger or Better, I need somebody to help me out here and provide me with, let's just start out with something simple, a penny. 
Does anybody here have a penny that I can ha- have or borrow? Start this off. Uh, like, like you have to. Probably, I, like, I need you. I need this penny here. So this, you got to. Oh, sh- oh, awesome. Okay, they're having to be sitting there. Was that there? Oh, they must have left it from last service. All right. Cool, cool, cool. I have a penny. I'm asking for somebody to give me something that's a little bigger, a little better than that penny. Anybody got something that's a little bigger, a little better? What do we have? Oh, we got a quarter. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, thanks. Quarter, that's awesome. Thank you for making that trade. I got a quarter. Can somebody do a little better than this? Quarter, come on, come on. Bigger, better. You have to participate. This doesn't work if you just sit there. So so I need some bravery here. Step out. A cup, okay, a cup. I'll take a cup. That's bigger. That's bigger. Here you go. Here's your quarter. Oh, sorry, my bad. I got a cup. Anybody have anything bigger, better? Okay, I got two things right there. Let's go. Someone help me out. Dang, grab those things. Grab those things. Sweet. I have a credit card. (laughs) And Denny, I suspect I have more on this than what you can do with that dollar bill right there. Oh, here's here's your... Here's your cup. All right, I have a credit card uh, with a limit on it. So anybody beat this? Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I need a couple more people. We're going to do this a couple more times. Who can beat it? You're going to have to come up here. You're going to have to help me out. What do we have there? Okay. Oh, 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 oh. now we're getting into who thinks what's more. Go have fun, Katie. That is all. No, that's yours. No, 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 no. We traded. We traded. I won't ask who thinks this was a downgrade. I will not make you even think of it. No, I'm not kidding by our behaviors. Okay, Bible, bigger, better. Come on. What do we have? Okay, cell phone, that's cool. I'll take that. Okay, Bible. Oh, (laughs) very creative. Cell phone. Can I get like an Apple cell phone or something? An iPhone? I mean, this is, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Come on, bigger, better. I need something bigger, better. Couple more people. This is, you guys are way behind the last service, last two services. What do we have? Oh, ho, ho, the mother load. Okay, I have a vehicle. What kind of vehicle? Okay, I have a Ford Expedition. Who can make it bigger, better, bigger, better? What do you have? What? Mine? No, no, put those away. Was this the, the cool one? Okay, this is a cool classic vehicle. I don't know the year and all that. Okay, 2000, that's a different one than I was thinking. 2016 Z06, uh, zero to 60 in 10 minutes. Two seconds. All right, Z06, anybody beat this one? Bigger, better. Are we ending on this? Is this, no one can give me bigger or better? John, what do you have for me, buddy? Oh, ho, ho. (laughs) Keys to the house. Enjoy your new ride. Enjoy your new ride. Hey, poor John, not only do I have the keys to the house, I also have the keys to two vehicles, so thank you. Okay, well, um, I'm good, because I'm going to get in. You can, beat, you can beat a house and two vehicles. All right, Janie, what do we have? Oh, I have a practice. Okay, I just loaded up. Okay. Last one, I need one more. Can anybody beat the keys to a dental practice? Can anybody beat that? Come on, somebody. Is that what that is? 
I will take it to the state of California. Here you go. Uh, you got demoted to dental practice from having the whole state. So this will get me in. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Very cool. Uh, so I got to tell you, first service, I ended up with a Hummer. Um, second service, I ended up with like five houses from one, or whatever, a bunch of rentals, paid for houses. I was like, sweet, that's good. Uh, I think this beats them all. So thank you very much. Uh, very good. Very, very impressive. Now, I, I mention all that to say our lives, when we think about better, better, our lives are kind of like that game we just played. We have something, but then we want bigger or better or more. Now, how is it practically speaking that you get bigger or you get better or you get more? Very simply, you go buy it, right? You spend, right? And if you do not have the cash for that, if you don't have the cash on hand, how do you get it? You go into what starts with a D. You go into debt. And whenever we do that, we are trading, we are exchanging, the Bible says, our freedom for a form of bondage, a form of slavery. We give up freedom for bigger and better, which makes us slaves. That, in a nutshell, is the problem that most people in America have. How do I know that that's true? Because statistics tell us it's true. That the average balance on credit cards for, for Americans is fifteen dollars to $27,000. That 69% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. And of that, 34% of them have no savings at all. And ultimately, over half of Americans spend $1.33 for every dollar that they make. How did we get there? How did we get to that point where, where, we, where we spend more than we make and we go into debt and we have little to no savings? How do we give up the freedom for bigger, better, or more? It starts with one word, and that's the word awareness. It starts with awareness. Because I, I want you to catch this principle. Awareness fuels our passions. Awareness fuels our passions, right? For good or bad. Awareness can be good, right? And it can fuel our passion for good. For example, if you see an injustice, you may say, I need to do something about it. I need to stand up. I need to right the wrong. You may be aware of a need. And that awareness causes you to say, I need to do something about it, and I need to help with that. I need to fulfill that. This church, when needs arrive and, uh, arise and you're aware of something, one of the best parts about this church is you, you step up to the plate and you meet that need and you fulfill that need because that awareness of something causes you to do a good thing. This last week, we opened our facility up to the, some homeless people here in Elk Grove. And we did that this week. Uh, us and a lot of other churches served in a similar way. And I got to tell you, what a great week to do that, right? Oh, almost three inches of rain here in Elk Grove this week. They, they needed to be able to have a place to go. But what's so incredible about it is we say we need us to serve and to be a blessing and to be an encouragement to them. We need people to stay throughout the night. We need people to, to provide food and, and, and to do that and to provide your presence. And you step up and you're a part of that. You're aware of the need, and you seek to meet that need. 
Your generosity comes out in so many ways with your times, your talents. When, when there's a need to be able to serve, you serve. And even your treasures. We said a few years back, we had an opportunity to purchase this facility, to buy more property, and then to even kind of enhance the facility so it m- more reflect our vision and our values of how we're trying to reach out to people. And, and we were able to do that. We were able to purchase this place. We were able to buy some uh, property next door for the future. And, and you might have noticed, you know, a lot of things have been changing around here the last couple of weeks uh, specifically. And you're starting to see those enhancements in the kids' ministries. And I can't tell you, I already talked to a ton of people that are like, you know, as you invite friends and those friends come and those kids come and they, they were just loving this in, the environment that we have for them. And all of that because you, you saw there was a need. You said, we want to meet that need. So, so awareness can be good, but awareness also can be bad. In the realm of our finances, our awareness can get ugly really fast. Psalm chapter uh, 73, verse 2 says this. It says, I almost lost my footing. <laughs> my feet were slipping. I was, I was almost gone. Now, what happened? How did this person almost sudden lose their footing and almost slip? And what was going wrong for them? Look at verse 3. It says, for I envied the proud. Well, why did you do that? How'd that happen? I envied the proud beca- when I what? What's the word? When I, when I, when I saw the, them prosper. When you and I see something, it fuels our desire for more. It fuels our discontentment. Let's take social media, for example, right? Social media can be good, of course, we know that, but social media can also be not so good. Social media can breed discontentment in our lives. For example, we might see somebody else's, other people's Facebook accounts or see their Instagram accounts, and what do some of us start to do as we see that? We start to compare their highlight reel to our everyday life. And consequently, as we look at that, as we see that, We start comparing, we start longing for what they have. But it's also not just what people have, it's also just the ads on social media. Uh, You realize like you click on an ad on social, on your Instagram or Facebook account and your web browser isn't even open, but the next time you open your web browser and all of a sudden that item, whatever it was that you clicked on, all of a sudden it's all over your web browser, right? You're like, how did that happen? How did they know? It's because in the face, it just algorithms go and boom, and the whole world knows now. This is what they like, and that's all you see. And some of you are like, I've been praying about this, and it just popped up on my web browser. It must be from God. (laughs) We see it, then we want it, and then we need it. It's a journey we go on. We're kind of like consumer zombies when we go shopping. You know, it's just kind of, we, we kind of get into this, you know, oh, I must have, look at that, I see, I need that. I'm at Costco. Oh, of course I need 10 flashlights. Oh, Costco, three foot high bag of chips. Why wouldn't I need three feet high of chips? Of course I need 50 pounds of carrots. <laughs> TV shows. Fixer Upper, Almost Home, Flipper Flop, Property Brothers, heck, all of HGTT, it's HGTV, it's built on the premise of, of imagining, right? This is what I have, this is what I could have. What I have, this is what I could have. What did the psalmist say in that verse? The psalmist said, man, I almost lost it. 
I almost gave up my freedom. My feet were slipping because when I saw what they had, I, was, I envied it. I became discontent with what I had. Awareness fuels our discontentment. When we see something, it fuels our desire for that, for more, and then we go after it. And if we aren't practicing good, wise financial principles, we end up spending ourselves into slavery. You know, the Bible is full of verses that talk about finances and money and contentment. There's so many verses that are linked together. I'll give you a few. You can look them up this week. Hebrews 13, Luke 12, 1 Timothy 6, and Ecclesiastes 5. And they all talk about this idea, our awareness can lead to discontentment. Discontentment is not the will of God for our lives. Now, when there's a discontentment inside of us, one of the things that happens is it causes us to lose perspective. We forget. We even minimize our past pain. And this is what ends up leading us to make decisions and choices that lead us to financial bondage rather than financial freedom. I want to illustrate this principle by looking uh, into the Old Testament, a part of the story of the Jewish people. Turn to Exodus 14 if you have not done so already. The Israelites, you might know the story, they spent 400 years in bondage as slaves to the Egyptians. God stepped in, delivered them uh, from Pharaoh and from the people, and so they get out of Egypt. They leave Egypt, they cross through the Red Sea on dry ground, a miracle God, uh, God provided, and I want us to notice this verse, Exodus chapter 14, verse 31. We're going to say it together. It says this, when the Israelites what? When the Israelites... When the Israelites, when they saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their what? Put their trust in him. Remember, awareness can be good, right? They saw God. They saw his power. And so as a result, they're like, I'm putting my trust in God. It's a good thing. Exodus 15 tells us that they sang and they danced and they they, were, they celebrated the freedom of what the victory that God had provided them. So they're celebrating this victory in God. They're full of gratitude for what they have, for what God provided for them. And, and, and they're in this great place. But after a few days, they went from gratitude and singing and praising God. Jump ahead to Exodus 15, verse 24. It says, the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to, dr to drink? They became discontent. Why? Because all of a sudden their focus shifted. What they were looking at changed. They went from seeing God and his power and his provision to focusing on and seeing what they didn't have, what they were lacking, what they were missing. They went from gratitude as a result to grumbling. They lost perspective. No longer were they gracious. Now they were grumbling. When we're discontent, we lose perspective. Uh, listen, think about this for a second. They were in bondage for 400 years, slavery for 400 years. God set them free. Listen to their perspective, Exodus chapter 16, verse 3. There, meaning in Egypt, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. So they accused their leaders, you've brought us out into this desert to starve. They've lost perspective. 
Moses and Aaron, by the way, had to correct them. This is very important for us as we think about this principle, which goes across many areas of our life, including our finances. Listen to this, Exodus 16. They said, hold on, hold on. Who are we, Moses and Aaron, who are we that you should be grumbling against us? Verse 8, you are not grumbling against us, but against who? You're grumbling not against us, but against the, the Lord. When you're aware of your circumstances or situation and you wish you had more, you wish it could be different, you wish, you wish, you wish, I'm not happy, I'm not content with what I have, that's really a reflection of our discontentment with God. We're grumbling against God and what he has provided. And one of the ways that we lose perspective and get to that point is we distort our path. Listen to Numbers chapter 11. It says, again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Does that make you chuckle? We remember all that great meat. We're stuck now with this manna, this bread from heaven. And back in Egypt, man, there was no cost to us. Oh, really? You were in slavery. You, you tell, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 26, verse 7, that they had a miserable life. They were, their masters were oppressive and cruel. Exod, they forgot about that. Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3 tells us that they were constantly calling out for God to rescue them. Oh, they forgot about that. When we're discontent with what God has provided, we just lose perspective. And we start to do things like we distort our path. We also minimize our past pain. They, they, were, they forgot it. They minimize it, whatever the case may be. What do we do? Yeah, we went on that vacation. Yeah, we bought that. Yeah, we did that. But we forget the pain of the payment. We forget the pain and the sacrifice that we had to go through a long period of time to get that paid off, to get that taken care of. We forget that part. In fact, some of us have paid for items for so long that we were still paying for something that we no longer even had. And we forget that. How much grief would it be avoided in our life if we were satisfied with what God has provided us? If we didn't crave more that a credit card could buy us. And if we didn't crave that more, we would be less likely to have to be a slave to a lender. There's a cure to our financial slavery, to our discontentment. And that cure is the opposite of discontentment, which is being content. The cure to financial slavery is contentment. First Peter, uh, Timothy chapter 6, it says, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we could take nothing with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Now, I know we don't want to admit it, but we really can live with the bare necessities of food, clothing, and shelter, can't we? I mean, we don't want to admit it, but we can. In fact, you know who would love to have all three of those? A couple billion people in the world right now. They would love to have all three. Man, we struggle with it. And Paul said, here is the key. Philippians chapter 4. How do we get to the point where we do not fuel our discontentment? He said, I want to tell you, Philippians chapter 4, he said, I learned a secret to this contentment topic. He said the secret of being content 
is knowing and believing that Jesus is sufficient. He said that's the key. He learned that that was the key, that Jesus is sufficient. And the question we have to ask ourselves, that sounds great in church. The question is, do I actually truly believe that? We know it's a church answer, but in our heart of hearts, do we believe that Jesus is sufficient? Hebrews chapter 13 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. He goes on, why should we be content? Here's the reason why we should be content. You ready? Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And you read that, and if you're like me, you're like, what does the one have to do with the other? What does my money and all that have to do, and being content have to do with God not leaving me? I don't understand how they connect. Precisely our problem. We don't see that. We don't see the link and the connection. It's why we end up in financial slavery, because our eyes are on the wrong thing. Remember we said at the beginning, awareness fuels our passion. So you and I can choose to be aware of stuff. And if we're aware of stuff, it's just going to fuel our passion for more. And eventually that's going to cause us to grow in discontentment with what we have. We'll eventually seek to fulfill it and to satisfy whatever that is for us. And if we aren't practicing good financial, wise financial principles and good godly principles, it eventually will lead us to making poor choices, to bondage, to slavery financially, and having a whole lot of financial problems. Or, or you can find out more about God, who he really is. Be aware that God's the one who gives us good gifts. See how he truly provides. And if we can begin to see that and know that, it's going to fuel a passion for us to want him even more and more and more rather than wanting stuff. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, man, get rid of all the stuff that slows you down, that hinders you. And he was talking about get rid of all that, any sin in your life that's, that's slowing you down. And in the realm of our finances, we could say that means getting rid of our discontentment. And it says to go on and run your race financially, you know, go on and seek that freedom that God has for you. How do you do it? The next verse tells us, Hebrews 12, verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, in fact, said this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. It's so interesting. Jesus could have said anything. You cannot serve God and he could have, anything he could have said. But what Jesus said over and over and over and over, you cannot serve both God and money, God and money, God and money. See, God knew, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. And he knows the end of the day, our lives, this serving, it's a God or money thing. It's a God trusting God or trusting stuff, trusting God or trusting in my ability to have and to take care of myself. Trust God, have faith in God, or trust in what he's provided us. It's the battle. It's a, money's not a money issue. Money is a heart issue. Money is a faith issue. Money is a trust issue. Now, in the, re- in the arena of your finances, if you and I will keep our eyes on Jesus, his way, his wisdom, then we can have that financial freedom. But I get it. Some of us might be like the Israelites today. We have an awareness of what we don't have or what we want, and it's causing us to grumble or complain, causing us to lose sight of a financial promised land that God would have for us. And as a result, we're just making some unwise decisions and unwise choices. So what do we do? Moving forward, what, what do we do the rest of this morning and moving ahead this week? I like what Craig Rochelle said. He said it this way. Big change 
starts with small discipline. Big change starts with small discipline. Uh, God's going to invite us this morning to make a small change, a small discipline. That'll eventually lead to big changes in our life. So how about we take one small step towards contentment and away from discontentment? One small step. It can lead to big changes in our lives. We're going to watch a video of Jeff and Julie Mayfield right now. Uh, people go to our church, and they're going to talk a little bit about their journey and some changes they made. A lot of us are going to watch this and go, that wasn't a small step. For them, it was a small step they needed to take. They knew they needed to take this for them. You still say, well, that's not a small step. No problem if that's part of your conclusion. I hope it's an encouragement when you watch this and see this and say, man, if they could take that step, I can take this small step. So I hope this encourages you. The first time I watched it, man, I, I was literally in tears because I was so excited for them and their future because they're taking small steps for them that are actually big steps that are going to result in a life change. So let's be encouraged by this video. Let's watch.
Man, isn't that incredible? You guys are amazing. Man, they're going to succeed. They're going to succeed. Would you be willing to take a small step, small discipline, a little decision that every day this week, you try to do one small thing to reduce the discontentment in your life. For you, for some of you, it's like, I need to work on the fix my eyes on Jesus part. And you know for you, it's like, you don't really read God's word and you're not connected to him in that way. Maybe this week you're like, I'm just going to read the Bible every day for a couple minutes. And for you, that's a huge step. It's a small little step for you. For others of you, I'm going to read a devotional. For others of you, you're like, you know what? I don't listen and participate in worship music outside of Sunday morning. So maybe for you, it's like, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to listen to worship music and I want to participate, you know, when I'm driving to work or when I'm working out or whatever it may be that I'm going to take that step. Maybe for some of you, you kind of have the attitude like the Israelites and there's some grumbling and complaining. And for you, it's like my small step is I just need to start being filled with an attitude of gratitude. So every single day, I'm going to set my alarm a few times a day and I'm going to stop and I'm going to praise God for what I have, for what he's giving me. For some of you, you might say, you know what my step is? I've known it for a long time. I need to do a budget. I need to do a budget. I don't know where it's all going. I, I know I get a raise instantly if I do a budget because that's usually what happens is just by as soon as you know where it's going. So some of you are like, it's time. Have to do a budget. For some of us, it's like, man, I got to stop clicking on all those social media ads. For others of us, it's like, I, I got to stop watching those TV shows or the commercials or reading the magazines because it's just fueling my discontentment. Paul said he learned that the secret was pursuing Jesus and not pursuing stuff. And when you do that, you can be freed up. You can free, be freed up to do what God wants you to do. And you, some of you can't do that right now because you're still a slave to a lender. And some of you, you, can, you, if you take these steps, you can be freed up to, to go and serve in the ways that God wants you to serve. But some of you can't do that because for you, 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 know, you have a, a trailer in the driveway or you have a boat or that vacation home or the this or the that. And you're so tied to it because you're a slave to those payments. Some of you are even contemplating on what to do with money you currently have. And you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go on this vacation or I'm going to fix the house up or I'm going to buy this big ticket item. And you know, God, your small step, God's telling you, stop, hold off on that. Pay off the debt you already have. Pay off what you have. Yeah, but I stored up and I saved and I earned. Honestly, I just want it. Exactly. We've lost perspective. We're like the Israelites. Don't buy it. You're just going to keep wandering the desert and not be financially free. Maybe some of you watch their video over and over and over because that'll help you. That'll help you get to that place where you say, I'm going to make the sacrifice now for something greater later. Some of you want to give. They talk about one of the things they're able to do now that they couldn't do before. is They, they can give to friends in need. And, and some of you want to do that and you want to help other people out. Some of you, and maybe for you, that's the step you take this week to help focus less on what you have and try to help somebody else out. Some of you say, I've been wanting to give to God or give more to God, and that hasn't been a part of my life or a discipline of my life. Some of you, that's your step. You say, okay, here's my step. I'm going to be intentional. I know it's part of my faith, and I haven't done it, and I'm going to take this step. I'm going to give an amount. I'm going to give a percentage, and you start moving that direction. What step can you take towards God and away from discontentment?